After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer here. Another Baseball America Playoff podcast. As we once again have something fascinating, exciting, and continuing to discuss. We had a game last, yes, last night where Rays came very close to uh, to finishing off the Astros, but they did not. And in uh, exciting and, if you're an Astros fan, heroic fashion, Carlos Correa ensured that there is yet another day to play for the uh, Astros and the Rays. And then we had a nightcap where a day after the Dodgers utterly bludgeoned them in the first inning, the Braves returned the favor to LA and did it. And I would have to say at least a somewhat, I'll say, because I was on the podcast yesterday talking about how I didn't expect Bryce Wilson to go long. I didn't expect Bryce Wilson to have a great start because he's rather inexperienced and he hasn't had a whole lot of great MLB starts. What was I wrong? I'll acknowledge it. Bryce Wilson was great. We'll talk about that too. A lot to cover here, but Kyle, you were there. I, I was, if I go way back in my career, I was there the day that Mark Wollers gave up the home run to, to Jim Lairitz in the World Series that kind of turned that World Series. And that will forever be one of the most more significant moments of my, you know, my baseball professional career being there at that witnessing that in person as it happened you were there last night to get to say that you watched a walk-off home run in a decide potentially deciding alcs game that's one you won't forget for a very long time i imagine no this was one of those games that i will remember for the rest of my life and something that when you're there we're working it but when you get home after you submit your story and you sit back and think about it. You're like, wow, that was awesome. I feel very fortunate to have been there. The biggest thing for me is we're seeing the Astros stars step up and really keep this team alive. Game four was George Springer tie-breaking two run Homer. He hit to the third deck of the Western mail supply co-building Zach Granke really getting through six innings with a vote of confidence from Dusty Baker and yesterday, Carlos Correa hitting that home run. I wrote about this in the story up at baseballamerica.com. The Astros not only needed that to save their season, they needed that in the ninth inning because if they went in and won in 15 innings, they would have been completely screwed today. And Dusty Baker openly acknowledged that in the press conference. 
they had Framber Valdez warming up. They had run through seven pitchers in a bullpen game. And now we're looking at using their game six starter going to extras. If that game went to extras, again, even if they won, they would have been out of arms in game six. So for Carlos Correa to A, call his shot, B, deliver on it, and C, hit it 416 feet dead center off the Rays closer. It was just such an emphatic moment. And you really do feel like the Astros, look, the momentum in the series has swung. Now momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher and the Rays have Blake Snell going today. Um, but that was just a huge moment. And it really is standing out to me how, again, in game four, it was Jose Altuve and George Springer putting the team on their back. Game five, it was Carlos Correa. Their stars are stepping up and keeping this team alive. And Carlos Correa is having not just a, a series, but a postseason, if not for the uh, the, the feats of Randy Arozarena, uh, who just continues to mash and continues to mash. It would be the the standout of of the 2020 postseason so far. And again, Carlos Correa is, let's be honest, right there with them as far as hit for hit, big hit for big hit. I to flip it a little bit. You've also been there. The Rays in that game, they had the big home run by G-Man Choi that ties it. They needed a big blast. I was uh, last night listening on radio for the eighth and ninth. And I, I, I happened to work out perfectly. I watched, I listened, I was listening to the Rays broadcast when they were batting and the Astros broadcast when they were batting. So I got a great call of a great home run by G-Man Choi and broadcasters going crazy on the Rays broadcast. And then I got a great call and broadcasters going crazy on the Astros broadcast in the ninth. But the thing that stood out to me, like you said, what's got to be frustrating beyond the fact that they didn't finish it off, if you're the Rays is, the Rays were absolutely set up here. They had Nick Anderson, who has been their basically best reliever in 2020 and was their, probably their best reliever at the end of 2019 as well, on the mound in a tie game, knowing if we can get this to extra, we have the advantage here. And they couldn't get to extra. The, the question I got to ask is, Nick Anderson's been a little shakier in this series than we've really seen Nick Anderson be ever since he's emerged. So one of the things that I've definitely noticed and seen is we're starting to see the workload on Nick Anderson and Diego Castillo catch up a little bit. These guys have been leaned on heavily this postseason. And, you know, someone brought up the point that the Rays were really, really well built for a 60 game season. Over 162 games, if they were asking for this much work from the stable, it might have worn them down more, and you're not sure how it would have held up over that long of a season. I think back a little bit to the 2018 Brewers. You'll remember that team had a great, great bullpen, but they rode them really, really, really hard. They had a uh, they had a, a play-in game, uh, a tiebreaker game, I should say, against the Cubs where they needed to uh, – win that to win the division, and then they got through the DS. And by the time they got to the end of that NLCS, games five, six, seven, you could see it. They The bullpen was gassed, and it, it hurt them. And we're starting to see Nick Anderson. We're starting to see Diego Castillo. The fatigue, the usage is starting to catch up with them a little bit here. Now, these are still great pitchers. You still trust them. Um, I, I think that the Rays – Look, you still have to like where you are, right? Even though they gave up a walk-off home run yesterday, 
They came back, they tied it. And game four as well, they fell behind early and they still had the tying run at the plate. Um, they, they fought back. You know, Randy Rosarena has brought them into ties with his big home runs. So the Rays are okay. They're not, you know, really, really in bad position here, but there's no question. You're starting to see some of the fatigue and the usage in that bullpen have an effect. Two things with that. One is, is that it does amaze me. And again, the, the Astros also threw the kitchen sink at that game. But if you had told me coming into 2020 that we would have a deciding game of the ALCS and the, the Rays would go John Curtis to Josh Fleming to Aaron Sleggers, and you would say, oh, yeah, and by the way, in the ninth inning, they were tied in that game, I, I would have said that that's those are – got to be the guys that they're only using in a game because it got out of hand that is the hey Oscar and Noah in that Braves Dodgers series could you give us four to their credit and Josh Fleming had an inning where I thought are, are you really going to be able to go with this guy for multiple innings to his credit after a rough one he did settle down and, and do so but that all said to the point you made the one that I'm interested to see, the guy who I think could end up making an impact for the Rays in the rest of this series, we've now seen Jose Alvarado come out in the previous game. And I forgot to talk about this on the podcast after yesterday's game, but this is a perfect segue to talk about it now, which is with all that being true, it was one outing, but Jose Alvarado looked like the Jose Alvarado, the healthy Jose Alvarado who can be, who has been a significant part of their pen before. I, I have to imagine they wanted to give him a day off. You know, again, I don't, I didn't expect to see him yesterday, but now having thrown an inning and heading, having had a day off, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be an effective part of this raised bullpen, whether it's today or tomorrow, because man, he looked really good. Yeah, no, there's no question. Him coming out 97, 98 with movement. That was huge. Getting a guy like that back in the middle of the series is just such a huge, huge boost to your bullpen. And, you know, you look at game six now and you say, okay, you can start Blake Snell. You have Jose Alvarado rested. You have Diego Castillo rested. You have Pete Fairbanks rested. So if you're the Rays, you like the way your pitching lines up here in game six. I do think that the Astros, we really, really, really need to give a lot of credit to Dusty Baker. Two days in a row now, he's trusted his guys. And this is where, you know, I've talked about having feel, reading the situation, understanding the moment, understanding who's on the mound, who's coming up, the swings they're getting. You, you need to have all those factors in your mind when it comes to deciding to make a pitch and change. Dusty Baker left Zach Granke in. He talked to his catcher, Martin Maldonado. He trusted the veteran to get the job done, and he did. Yesterday, you know, going with five rookies to start out, and there were some rocky moments for Luis Garcia. There were some rocky moments for Enola Paredes, but he trusted his guys. They got the job done and they made it through. I think Dusty Baker, you know, he does, he gets a lot of credit and rightfully so for just being an incredible manager of people. And that's such a huge part of being a manager in today's game. But he's also a guy who, who has that strong feel for doing things tactically with mixing the human part of it. You can't have 14 winning seasons in 23 years as a manager without having some, you know, without having knowledge of tactics, without being a good manager of people and knowing how to blend them. I think it's important to give Dusty Baker credit here for how he's managed his pitching staff. And look, 
if you're the Rays, you like where you are going into game six. If you're the Astros, you like where you are going into game six, the way the offense is swinging and the fact you have Framber Valdez going. These are two teams feeling good about themselves, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. I am too. That's the perfect segue to the second game, which we had, where, as you said, now again, these are always, you're dealing with probabilities. Dusty Baker stuck with Zach Reinke. It worked out for him. He got out of it. But also, this is one of those things where too often it is very easy to, to, to view this as a as someone, especially on baseball Twitter. And by the way, I did love the John Smoltz. I don't think you got to hear it, but John Smoltz talking about if there was just a way that people could make their opinions known and timestamp to make it clear that they were making those opinions before the thing happens. Like, that's baseball Twitter. That is exactly <laughs> what it is. But um, it none of these are uh, black and white. They're never 100% this way, 0% that. Dusty Baker went with Zach Reinke, and that was like probably a 60-40 decision. And if Zach Reinke had given up the key hit, it wouldn't – the process that Dusty Baker took wouldn't have necessarily been different, but the response would have been utterly different because of what happened. We have the flip side of that, which is last night in the Dodgers-Braves game, Clayton Kershaw was left out there, the, the best pitcher of his generation – Again, and the worst argument you can make with me if you want is that he's the second because you put Justin Verlander a, a notch above him. But this is a guy who is one of the best pitchers of the 21st century, zero questions. And and and, and it it didn't work out. But at the same time, I, I also, for anyone who wants to second guess Dave Roberts' decision to leave Clayton Kershaw out there, I will point out, okay, the question you are having is, do they go... Do they pull Kershaw, you know, especially after they hit to Freeman and go to Mars, you know, as Marcel Zuna comes up? Well, Bruce Gratterall came in. He's the guy you're going to replace him with. And Bruce Gratterall's line was one third of an inning, three hits, three runs. The guy they replaced him with, and and then Victor Gonzalez came after him. The guys they replaced him with as this game went from being tight to blown open also didn't get the job done. That was not a fulcrum point in my mind because they left Clayton Kershaw in there because whether it was Clayton Kershaw or the relievers who followed him, everyone that they pitched in that inning got beat up by the Braves lineup. I think the biggest thing that people are focusing on again is looking for someone to blame. Let's just be frank. The Braves are beating the Dodgers right now. We can talk as Agreed. much as we want to we, we can talk as much as we want about Clayton Kershaw and him being pulled and when to pull him. Bryce Wilson pitched six innings, gave up a home run to Edwin Rios and nothing else. One hit, one run. You're not going to beat anyone if you get three hits and two runs in a game, with very rare exception, especially a team with an offense like the Braves. So, again, would it have been nice if Clayton Kershaw pitched better? And we can have that argument all we want. It doesn't matter. I mean, Bryce Wilson pitching the way he pitched, the Braves bullpen coming in and pitching the way they pitched. The Dodgers can't score two runs off the number four starter and expect to win a game. You just can't do it. And, and you give all the credit in the world to Bryce Wilson and the Braves. Look, I admit, I think part of it is a lot of people, and I, I own up to it. We've talked about it on this podcast. 
I truly believe the Braves, the, excuse me, the Dodgers were just on a different tier than everyone else in Major League Baseball. I thought their offenses were comparable. I thought they had a vast starting pitching advantage. And I really expected the Dodgers to kind of have the way with everybody, Braves included. So I think for a lot of people, it's, they can't quite wrap their head around, how are we losing? This is someone's fault. Someone's screwing up. No, the Braves are outplaying the Dodgers. They are beating the Dodgers, and that's a credit to them. They are they are playing better baseball, and they are the better team right now in this series based off their performance. And the other thing I would say with that is is that they are and coming into this like there is, there are situations where teams can understandably pull out their hair because they were the better team by a vast majority, you know, by a vast amount over the course of a full season, but they get beat in a short series by a team that got hot. Who's just not as good as them, but they just put lightning in a, you know, they captured lightning in a bottle for that week. And that was enough. This is the Braves team that we've seen coming from a thousand miles away. You know, that in 2016, 2017, it was like, Oh, look at what this Braves team has a chance to be. If this all comes together. And then you get to 2018 and it starts to click and you get to 2019. This is a team that's been one of the best teams in the national league for multiple years. Last year, they had a clear glaring flaw. They fixed it somewhat at the, at the, you know, at the trade deadline, but not entirely. They were still a flawed team in some ways this year. They still have flaws. The, the flaws switched. The flaws changed. The bullpen's now great. The starting rotation got very iffy because of, mainly because of an injury. If you said that you had, Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson at the start of the rotation, and Kyle Reicher number four, and Bryce Wilson or whoever's number five, you'd say, no problems there. You know, none. You will take that every time. That's better than most teams. But the thing we have seen in this series is the Braves bullpen, really good. We knew that. The Braves front end of their rotation, really good. We knew that. The Braves lineup, excellent, outstanding. Again, as I said before this pod, the series ever began, can match up toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. They showed that over the course of the season. And by the way, Marcelo Zuna is in an offseason where not many people are going to get paid. Marcelo Zuna is going to get paid. All of that true. But the thing that stands out to me about last night that utterly tip a cap to him, Bryce Wilson, you said their number four starter. And this is the first moment in the entirety of the season in 2020. I agree with you. He's their number four starter now. But what really stands out is there was never a time during the 60-game season where they said, Bryce Wilson, our number four starter. There was never a time where they said, Bryce Wilson, our number five. Even at a time where they were throwing every pitcher they had against the wall to see if one of them would stick, Bryce Wilson spent a decent bit of the season over at Gwinnett at the alt site. And then here he comes in the biggest moment he's ever played in his career. And he has one of the best starts he's ever had. It wasn't like it was a good, it was as good as a start. You go back to the totality and get Bryce Wilson, a very good pitching prospect. We've ranked Bryce Wilson very highly. He's a top hundred prospect. It's a guy who was a multi-sport athlete, was a great football player in high school, very competitive, all those things. But that said, if you said, how many starts has been better than this 
in the minor leagues for Bryce Wilson, I might be able to give you two. He had a great start for Gwinnett in 2018 and another one that was really good. This was Bryce Wilson at his absolute best, giving them six innings in a, in a game where if they'd have gotten four and he'd have handed the ball off to the bullpen, having allowed two runs in four innings, everyone we would be talking today about Bryce Wilson gave them more than they could have expected from him to give six innings, one run. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, just to put it in perspective, Bryce Wilson didn't make his first start until September 22nd. I mean, here's where the Braves used him. They used him in the 29 to nine game as a reliever. He got a save in that game. And then his next game, they gave him an inning in a game. They lost 14 to one. I mean, Bryce Wilson, as promising as his career is, was clearly not a guy they were looking for to pitch in any sort of high leverage type of situation. Again, kept him back at the alt site for a bunch of the year. When he came back in September, it was an inning in a 10-3 game, four innings in a 29-9 game, and an inning in a 14-1 game. I mean, this was not someone they were leaning on to do anything big for them. Gave him some starts at the end of the year, was solid in those two outings, but I mean, you're right. For him to come in and do what he did, just the way he had the four seam and the two seam working, I mean, he just overmatched the Dodgers. I mean, just completely overmatched them. And this was so impressive for a 22-year-old kid who, as we discussed, was not a big part of the Braves' pitching plans this year as we just laid out. This was a huge moment. And you just tip your cap and, and you say, you know, bravo. And now if you're the Dodgers, look, we don't know who the Braves' starting pitcher is going to be for game five. The Dodgers have Dustin May going. Again, in theory, if you're the Dodgers, yeah, you feel good about your chances. Dustin May versus, you know, whether it's bullpen day or, or mystery pitcher. But they've got to figure out a way to slow this Braves offense down, and they've got to figure out a way to get their bats going. They, they got them going too late in game two. They really got them going in game three, but then they disappeared again in game four. And it kind of goes back to, again, momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher. And right now, if you're the Dodgers, I mean, you got to figure out a way to jump out early again because this falling behind, taking time to get to the bats going, it's not a formula for winning. The other thing that stands out to me when you talk about fulcrum points of a series, by Bryce Wilson and the Braves bats doing that last night, if we were talking right now and the Dodgers had won that game last night, then the Braves would be in this kind of brutal situation, which is Dustin May versus – Johnny Holstaff, and by the way, not just Johnny Holstaff, Johnny most of the staff. Hoaskar Anoa, who was the best pitcher in that bloodbath of a game a couple of nights ago, Hoaskar Anoa is not going to pitch. I mean, he went 90-plus pitches just a couple of days ago. So he's not part of Johnny Holstaff today. Really, the starter who they could potentially give the ball back to, I don't think you want to in a starting role right now, would be Kyle Wright because he only threw an inning a couple of days ago. But – they don't have a, a, I mean, this is bullpen day as far as, this is what the Astros did yesterday. This is what we're probably looking at. That yeah. would have been, a, there would have been a pressure. Do you really, at a, in a tied series, do you really want to not throw Max Freed in this game? You know, you probably want don't want to. You want to give him more rest. But there would be a pressure to do so. Now, the Braves can look at this game as, you know what? We're going to throw the bullpen at them. We can win this game. But even if we don't, even if we don't, you know, we'll have Max Freed and Ian Anderson to finish this out. And we feel really good about our chances there. 
that's that's how this entire series shifts based off of you know uh, of what happened last night to me i definitely had the thought yesterday looking around like so our starting pitchers in games four and five of league championship series are luis garcia john curtis bryce wilson two two rookies who have not pitched a whole lot this year garcia and wilson a reliever in curtis giving way to a rookie opener in josh fleming and then clayton kershaw um certainly not at the point where we're seeing a lot of you know big name pitchers on the mound but there's always guys who step up and have to step up in a postseason. And yesterday, yesterday we saw the Astros and their five rookie pitchers to open up a bullpen game, hold the line and step up. We saw Bryce Wilson really step up. And oftentimes that's what makes a difference in the postseason. Your stars got to show up and they perform, but the other team has a lot of stars too. Once you get to this point, the LCS, everyone's good. It's having those role guys step up, having the unexpected guys step up and, the Astros and Braves really got that yesterday from their pitching staffs. And, and as a result, the Astros are still alive and the Braves are sitting pretty. That So often, that's the difference. And we saw that yesterday. Uh, two other things before we wrap this up. Uh, Edwin Rios did provide a big hit. It was one of the few highlights for the Dodgers yesterday. Second homer uh, for him. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about Edwin Rios. We talked about Bryce Wilson. Edwin Rios is the guy, like, I don't want to get it forgotten just because they lost. I'm going to set you up to talk about Edwin Rios. You've done the Dodgers list. I have not. Um, but but Edwin Rios, I, the thing that stood out, I tweeted about this last night. I remember Prospect Pat, I think it was in the Miami uh, Futures game about three years ago, probably. And we were asking pitchers, pro- best pitching prospects in the game. They're all the guys at Futures game. We're like, who's the best hitter you faced this year? And I want to say it was at least two, maybe three different guys all said Edwin Rios. And and the, the point that I, I just want to bring up about that is, is that this is when you talk about why are the Dodgers as good as the Dodgers are year after year and whether they win a World Series or not, they're the one of the gold standards of, of I mean, they, they win every year. Guys like Edwin Rios are part of that reason because if Edwin Rios was on another team, we'd be talking a lot about Edwin Rios, but because Edwin Rios is a Dodgers player, he's like, batting at the bottom of the lineup and he's like they're you know i don't think he's ever cracked the top five and maybe you know i can't remember maybe even top 10 in their prospect list because they're very deep every year yeah i've ranked edwin rios in the prospect handbook every year since i've taken over i saw this guy in ranch cucamonga and look it's just a reminder if you can hit they'll find a spot for you this guy was second in the nation in home runs at, at florida international his junior year dodgers drafted him Everywhere he went, he hit. And, you know, there were concerns about he's a bigger guy. You know, is he going to be able to stick at third? Is he more first? He got to move to left. And again, people started docking him on the profile. And here he is in the majors, mashing for a first division club. And this guy has hit. He's always hit for power. We saw it when he came up last year. This is what he's capable of doing. And I remember talking to some Dodgers fans over the years. They're saying, you know, with Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger at the corners, you know, we should probably trade this guy, right? And, and what I said at the time was, this is the type of guy the industry undervalues, a uh, corner guy, you know, you know, you don't want to give up too much for a corner-only guy, but the Dodgers knew what they had. They knew they had an impact left-handed bat who can change games with one swing. And you don't want to give that up cheaply. And they were wise to hold on to him. He had to be very patient. 
I mean, he had proven himself in AAA, you know, two, three years ago. He had to be patient. He waited his turn. He showed up looking great in summer camp. He had a good debut last year, and now he's getting an expanded role. He had an injury, but, I mean, we're seeing is he's got massive power he can get to in games from the left side, and this is who he is. This is what he's always done, and it's good to see him, you know, get the opportunity and take the most, make the most of it, and you know, he's improved defensively at third base too. I mean, right now, if you were to ask who's the Dodgers heir apparent at third base to Justin Turner, if he continues to make strides at third base, it's Edwin Rios and he's earned it. It that was it was notable, it was fun. And I, I'm gonna have a piece at some point if I can just find time to write it. You mentioned that the Astros young pitching. The the one question, and I've written it myself, and I wanna acknowledge that. Like you until this year there was kind of this question of does the Astros pitching development for their young pitchers develop good tradable chips or does it develop good major league pitchers? Because they really hadn't had a whole lot of success when it comes to starting pitchers homegrown. And they had also had a number of guys who had been traded elsewhere and seemed to kind of flame out high, you know, high value prospects who then flamed out. I I think we have to say at this point, you mentioned about Luis Garcia. We have to say at this point, this is an Astros team. The reason they're in the ALCS, they have a great lineup. But when it comes to pitching, this is an Astros team that is throwing more rookies at this, you know, in, a, in an ALCS than, or an LCS, I just should just say, than you'll almost ever see. And guy after guy is having success, including guys who, again, like you mentioned, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia, we talk about Bryce Wilson and like how surprising that is. Bryce Wilson, though, is a guy who made his major league debut, brief, but his major league debut in 2018. He's a guy who has spent a significant amount of time at the upper levels of the minors. This is, okay, you now need your last step, which is to have big league success. Luis Garcia is about three steps away from that. Luis Garcia, we were watching in Fayetteville in high class A last year, and here he is getting a start with the season on the line in the LCS, that's a whole different story. And you have to give credit to the Astros pitching development for the fact that it's, it's Luis Garcia and it's Christian Javier and it's from Valdez and Jose Arquiti who are a little bit further along the line, but both fit that. And it's Anoli Paredes. And we could just keep going down the list of these guys. It is these young pitchers who are homegrown and have stepped up into large roles here. And I think that's something, as much as we talk about everyone else, that's also something that is notable that's going on in this series. Absolutely. There's no question. I, I saw the, you know, I had written a little something about how the Astros had really relied on some of these guys in the bullpen in the postseason and Christian Javier making him a reliever for the postseason. We've seen them rely on rookies for innings there. But, you know, Framber Valdez, again, who it's te- technically his third year, but in reality, it's his second extended stint in the majors. He's really stepped up for this team. And you're right, seeing Luis Garcia yesterday, he got into some tough spots and he, he found his way out of them. And this is a guy, as you said, who has one start in his life above a ball. And for him to do that in the elimination game in the postseason, that was huge. So much moxie. And, and you love that, respect that from a young kid who's 23 years old but without any sort of experience that would give you, you know, where you say, oh, this is a veteran. We, we know this guy will get out of it. Trusting him versus trusting Zach Granke is a very different thing. But Dusty Baker read it right. And, and this guy performed. Give credit to the player. Went out, gave them two innings, did exactly what he needed to do. And 
really set the tone for the Astros the rest of the way. I mean, the Rays right now, they're not doing a whole lot offensively, and that's a credit to the Astros pitching staff. But Well, we will leave it there. We have uh, two more games again tonight, and uh, we will be back on Monday to to talk about the world. At that point, we'll be talking about the World Series. So, you know, that's that's kind of both exciting and also, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, someone who enjoys a lot of baseball, it's always, it, it's kind of the trade-off. We get the World Series, but the downside is, is we're getting less baseball at some point. But it has been fun. We'll have fun again dissecting this on Monday and looking ahead. For Kyle, I'm JJ here on the Baseball America Playoff Podcast. So long, everybody. 